Hi, I'm Allie. I'm Nick. And this is But Have You Tried, the new-ish? Yeah. New-ish yeah. <laughs> podcast from the David A. Hale Public Library. Where we take turns swapping off things that we've enjoyed at some point in That's our right. life. Today, I have given Nick a very special assignment. You have. I'm, I'm very curious to hear to hear your thoughts i've been tight-lipped i've been tight-lipped so far i was worried you were going to say it was a new age podcast for the david oh Hale public gosh. library and that has some like different i'm trying to imagine what that would even mean i assume we'd have to have crystals of probably, some, some sort probably. i don't know i'm not an expert but i, I feel assume... like it'd be easy enough to bring in one or two crystals if we really felt i think need. we could yeah i feel like i have some that i like found and collected like really? a crow when i was a child really you know? do crows collect crystals they collect whatever uh, they want yeah okay and sometimes they completely demolish our front lawn with their poop yep so you know, i was looking at the rhododendrons the other day which are blooming now <laughs> yeah and they're so beautiful and i was like wow this is great and i walked right up close to it and i was like wow the leaves are still covered in crow they poop. sure are they sure are i got ambitious the other day and i tried to hose off the side of the building no no dice no That's dice really unfortunate no dice i don't know why we're talking about poop alley when the topic today is what? jane austen jane austen jane austen you can't pivot harder from, from crow, from crow poop, poop, poop to, to Jane Austen, <laughs> but we've done it. We we somehow made it work. That's right. So as you might recall, uh, in our last episode, when I generously asked Allie to watch The Goonies, she asked me to read a Jane Austen novel and watch several movies. Is yes. that is that okay? So that's correct. Not exactly an even switch, but that's okay. That's okay because we didn't. We never said that it had to be an even switch, and that's fine. <laughs> and that's fine. So you had suggested to me that I read Pride and Prejudice uh, by Jane Austen, the Indeed. late Jane Austen. She has passed away. She has. <laughs> and uh, watch the Emma movie from the 90s with Gwyneth Paltrow yes. and Ewan McGregor. These were my assignments. Okay. I have done some research on Jane Austen and I shall now present to you my findings. Okay. Okay. It's book report time. Let's uh, hear that's it. Right. <laughs> to start with, uh, from janeaustin.org, here is a little quick uh, summary. Jane Austen, the world-renowned English author, completed just six works during her lifetime and yet managed to command a legion of fans around the world. Her timeless stories have been turned into a plethora of movies. I like that word. Plethora. Right? It's a good one. Television shows and modern adaptations, in addition to being translated into multiple languages to cross-cultural boundaries. Today, she remains as popular as ever and as revered as much as any literary figure in the history of the English language. Mm -hmm. Too much? Right on. What do you think? Probably right on. Okay. Also, a fun fact. Yes. She's on, I think it's the 10-pound notes. I have that. I have that in my fact. Yes. Uh, let's see. And I'm see. like, why do we have all these... I mean, not to not to criticize, no, no, but no. boring white guys. Hit it. Yeah. And they get Jane Austen. I, I'm with you. This is I know. so unfair. I know. Yeah. Uh, y you're absolutely right, though. She, let me see. Let me find my information here. Uh, in 2017, Jane Austen was put on the 10-pound note replacing Charles Darwin. Oh. So the 10-pound the note evolved. <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. A little Darwinism joke for you there. All right. Jane Austen lived from 1775 to 1817, dying at the age of 41. Early. That is pretty That's early. That's early stuff. Although, back then, less early. That's true. She was downright geriatric <laughs> oh for, for those standards. She published four novels in her lifetime, Sense and Sensibility in 1811. Pride and Prejudice in 1813, Mansfield Park in 1814, Emma in 1815. Uh, two additional novels, several shorts, unfinished works, and all that were published posthumously, most notably Northanger Abbey. How do you say that? How do you say it? I say it Northanger Abbey. Northanger. I don't know if there's... Okay. I don't know what the right way is, okay. but that's always how I've said it. All right. Well, the one about the Abbey. 
Right. Yes. <laughs> is it even about an Abbey? I don't remember. Uh, barely. Do we have an Abbey in it. There I do is recall an Abbey there's in an Abbey it. involved. Yes. All right. That was published in 1818, as was Persuasion, also in 1818. Uh, her work has been translated into 35 languages, according to the Jane Austen Literacy Foundation, uh, janeaustenlf.org. Uh, Pride and Prejudice, in addition to uh, Jane Austen appearing on a 10-pound note, Pride and Prejudice was featured on a postage stamp for its 200th anniversary in the year 2013. That's pretty cool. You know what else was featured on a postage stamp? The late Elvis Aaron Presley. That makes sense. Elvis Presley postage stamp. I could definitely see that happening. Oh, yeah. Probably more than once. But I remember it was like a big deal. It also fueled the Elvis is dead conspiracy because only dead people can be on postage stamps. And there was a long time where they didn't do it because there was some question. That's the conspiracy side of it. Okay, okay, okay. Once in a college speech class, we had to present a controversial topic. And mine was Elvis faked his death. And it killed. No pun intended. It killed. People liked the speech. So, anywho... Uh, Pride and Prejudice has been adapted in film and television many times over, starting with the 1938 film right up and through the 2016th. I know your favorite is the BBC Colin Firth. Mm-hmm. Who it's else is great. in that? I don't know. Um, Jennifer L. is Lizzie Bennet. Okay. I don't know the names of anyone else who's in that. I guess I didn't realize until like snooping around here that Bridget Jones's diary is sort of meant to be a, a Jane Austen. I that I cannot speak to from spoof. personal experience, okay. but it would not surprise me. Okay. So many things. So many things yeah. are. It's yeah. like secretly, yeah. secretly sprinkled everywhere. Yeah. Okay. On a local note, and shout out to Kim, who works the front desk here. I asked her to do a little research and find out how many copies of Pride and Prejudice alone, so not okay. even including all the other Jane Austen novels. Just Pride and Prejudice. How many copies of Pride and Prejudice, not including films either, just okay. the book, just, just books, are in our library system? And our library system is made up of 48 individual libraries. There are 76 copies of Pride That's and Prejudice. A few in uh that's more in than the, one the southern tier library system this is a good time to shout out StarCat too if you're local yes StarCat is a way you can manage your account you do have to change your password uh in in the coming months here which is annoying we know but you gots to do it so StarCat, uh and and you could also find all these copies of jane austen uh but that's it for me i have some more pride and prejudice specific uh information that i want to share when we get into that point but what what did i miss what okay. do you what do you got um, I'm not sure that you missed too much. Oh, well, thank you. I'm uh, a professional. You're you're I'm welcome. a professional, you know. Um, just some like interesting tidbits about her life. I'll decide. Uh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the verdict is out. All right. <laughs> Despite writing primarily works that deal with romance in some capacity, yes. she never married herself or had children. Mm. I know, isn't that interesting? Interesting, yes. There was this kind of like I wouldn't say scandalous, but like this much much noticed incident early in her life where she and her neighbor Tom LaFroy were like in love she like admitted to her sister that she was in love with him okay but like he didn't really have much money and his family was like absolutely not and her family didn't have much money so they did not get married and this is very much captured everyone's imagination Mm, sure so that's there's I mean there's movies about that right isn't there I think that that's what Becoming Jane is about yeah yeah. Yeah. okay which I've seen it's pretty fun yeah it's a little not that Jane austen but oh. it is a fun movie. Okay. All right. So she also received a proposal of marriage from Harris Bigwither, a childhood <laughs> friend of the family. She could have been Jane Bigwither. Right? <laughs> what a different world it we'd be living been. in. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. She originally accepted just kind of from a practical standpoint, but then the next day she rescinded her acceptance oh which is also a very jane austen plot yeah. kind of thing to do tell me a little bit about like how did you discover her like what's your favorite book of her have you read them all give me okay. a little alley backstory here so 
I feel like this story is going to reveal reveal a lot of things about my childhood. Oh. So my sister is about two years older than I am. Right. Okay. Okay. And she's always been a big reader and was very precocious in her reading from a young age. Ah, okay. Okay. So when she was nine, I don't remember if someone had told her about Pride and Prejudice. Maybe we'd watched the movie. I don't remember. But she somehow got it in her head that she wanted to read Pride and Prejudice. Okay. So she checked out a copy from the library. Shout out to libraries. Woo! Absolutely. It was like this red, like bejeweled, very fancy looking <laughs> yeah. copy. Yeah. And she read it as nine-year-olds do, you wow. know? Okay. That's a little impressive. Yeah. That's a little impressive. Yeah. yeah shout out to your parents. Reading, <laughs> right. <laughs> we were homeschooled at the time. Ah, okay. There you go. <laughs> she was also reading Berenstein Bears chapter books at the same time. Okay. Just to like, ba- you know, balance things yeah. out. But yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of nuance in those Berenstain Bears, you know, family dynamics, really? <laughs> forbidden romance. You know what I mean? A Sometimes the drama on. in those Berenstain Bears is true. really a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So naturally being a, you know, two years younger and yeah. not necessarily capable you of reading do it. Pride and Prejudice sure. and also being, you know, feeling the need to distinguish myself from my sister. Okay. I was like, no, Jane Austen is stupid. Oh, this isn't happening. This is kind of a thread with you. This has come up before. This, this has uh, come up before. This rebellious streak where you're like, I shan't do what's expected See, of me. and I feel like that's about as rebellious as I've ever gotten. It's <laughs> being like, well, my sister likes Jane Austen, so yeah. I don't. Yeah, wow, wow. What a rascal you were not reading Pride and Prejudice right, at seven. Right. I can't even imagine. So I want to say maybe a few years after this she recommended to me that i read sense and sensibility okay or i think maybe she suggested that i have dad read it to okay. me okay and so i tried to read like the first page which i will say the first page of sense and sensibility is the most boring thing mm. you could possibly read it is not right into the yeah. center of the action well this has a famously like strong start right i mean yeah. pride and prejudice is kind it of has a, a great opening line yeah like i was familiar with that before reading it but anyway your, your story so i failed to read this because the first page of sense and sensibility was really boring and i was first page is maybe pretty key. eight <laughs> pretty key <laughs> pretty key yeah so i like became really mad that she would suggest to me that i do this impossible task oh, what a dummy i know right <laughs> and i basically swore off jane austen for years okay and didn't really have any more kind of encounter with Jane Austen Okay. until I was probably in middle school. My family was going on a road trip and we listened to an audiobook of Emma. Yeah. And it was a great time. Okay. I enjoyed it so much. Okay. So I'd say Emma is probably my favorite if only for that kind of like nostalgia factor. Yeah. And I just think the story is really fun. I got to tell you, watching Emma and reading Pride and Prejudice at the same time, I kept being like, now which creepy priest is trying to marry... <laughs> whom and who's like you know, weird that's a, old that's aunt a really is getting in the way and like i kept being like wait no 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 but yeah yes. I, I survived yeah so sometime after this my sister read pride and prejudice out loud to me okay i enjoyed it a lot i've since read all of her completed novels yeah there's some like juvenilia and like incompletes okay. that i okay. intend to read but have not all right i'm always fascinated when an author has like what is it sanditon is hers right is mm-hmm. that yeah sanditon yeah yeah and that's like a bbc thing now like they're they're continuing yeah that. i and saw that they were doing that that's been picked up over the years like other people have finished it but i'm always kind of like dickens has the edwin drood novel that's okay. unfinished or Raymond Chandler's like Philip Marlowe novels, right. you know, went unfinished and Robert B. Parker picked those up and stuff. So it's always kind of interesting when people do that. And I think there's always a debate on whether or not that's good because like you're never really seeing right. like the true resolution, but it's sort of an interesting exercise to be like, Jane Austen has given you a starter story and now it's up exactly. to you to finish it. So. And there are so many like sequel stories to yeah, Jane Austen. Sure. Like there's like Death Comes to Pemberley yes. and like all kinds of stuff like that. And so many that are like from a different character's point of view, like, yeah. Jane Fairfax from Emma. I think there's a novel okay. from her point of okay. view. I read a little bit of it in the writing style. I was like, nope, you're Pass. not 
hard pass. You're comparing yourself like you're setting yourself up to be compared to Jane Austen yeah. and it's not working in your favor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I um yeah, speak, speaking of adaptations, there is a Marvel Comics did a thing around uh, 2010 or so where they were taking some classics and turning them into graphic novels. Oh, that's fun. And so there's an Emma one and there there is a Pride and Prejudice one. So after having read the book, I read the graphic novel mm-hmm. as well. And it's funny because all of the covers for it um, are designed to look like a Vogue magazine, okay, something okay. like that. But the adaptation, uh, it's by Nancy Butler, is pretty solid, I think. Like, I don't know that... that I'm just not sure. I'm not sure if you would like it or not. I mean, I know that you like graphic novels and, like, you get it. Right. But I felt like it was a pretty faithful adaptation. And while, of course, like, you can't get all the nuance that you can get from the book, I thought it would be a pretty good, like, gateway for somebody who is, like, put off by picking up something like Jane Austen because... You really do get the beats, and I think if you had that in your mind, like reading the book would come a little bit more naturally because you right. have you have something a in shorthand mind. for the character. I didn't read the Emma one because I hated the art, but uh, the Pride and Prejudice <laughs> one, I actually thought was pretty good and would recommend it. I think both to Jane Austen fans and just somebody who maybe is curious about the story because I thought it was a, a, a pretty good a pretty good way to go overall. So you eventually made your way through all of the Jane Austens. I did. You did. Okay, did. Uh, but but Emma is your sentimental favorite. I think so. Okay. So then why did you tell me to read Pride and Prejudice? I feel like Pride and Prejudice is the most iconic Jane Austen. Okay. And I mean, it's also... See, it's hard to say which one of them would be my favorite. I also really like Pride and Prejudice. I also think Persuasion is really cool. Yeah. They're all they're all good. What okay. can I say? Okay. But I felt like Pride and Prejudice, if you're going to read like one Jane Austen novel, I feel like Pride and Prejudice is probably the one to go for okay because it's it's definitely the most iconic and i feel like it's a very good representation of her work and her like role in popular media in general does jane austen have a thing against moms this is my question from uh prejudice (laughs) uh where the mom is just sort of (laughs) in the way i feel like a lot of the times and and you know lizzie seems to have such a better relationship with her dad and then over in emma it's like mom's dead and that's great for us right (laughs) that works out pretty well in general, I would say that the families that her main characters have are not always, they don't always super do a great job of supporting the main character or mm. understanding them. I see. And so it's like sometimes some of them are dead or like the dad is ridiculous or the okay, mom okay. is ridiculous or like both the dad and the older sister are super vain I and see. absurd. And I the see. younger sister is just extremely self-centered yes. and clueless. Okay. And so often there's like at least one like sibling or something that they have kind of a stronger connection with like Elizabeth and Jane in Pride and Prejudice. But yeah, I have to say it, it raises some questions about her relationship with her parents and her family in general. Yeah. Well, there's certainly, there's certainly some good meat to be had from uh, exploring those things. And I think she uses it well, both in, in Emma uh, and in Pride and Prejudice, at least. All right, let's stick with Pride and Prejudice for a moment. Here is what Barnes and Noble lists as their publisher's summary. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. So begins Pride and Prejudice, Jane Austen's classic novel of manners and mores in early 19th century England. As the Bennets prepare for their five grown daughters to enter into society, each shows personality traits that illuminate their future prospects as wives. Jane, the oldest, is the most demure and traditional, and Lydia, the youngest, the most headstrong and impulsive, I'll say, spoiler (laughs) alert, attention centers on haughty, second-born Elizabeth and her blossoming relationship with the dashing but aloof Fitzwilliam Darcy. It's quite the name, right? Yeah, you're going to name your firstborn Fitzwilliam in honor of... Definitely not. Oh, no. Okay. All right. 
Adversaries at first in the endless rounds of balls, parties, and social gatherings. They soon develop a grudging respect for one another that blossoms into romance when each comes to appreciate the tender feelings that course beneath the veneer of their propriety and reserve. First published in 1813, Pride and Prejudice is one of the most popular novels in English literature and a cornerstone of Jane Austen's reputation as one of the greatest novelists of all time. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. So here's the thing. Allie. Okay. I I never quite got over the hump of almost having to like translate what was going on in my mind. I wanted it to just sort of like flow over me so it was just kind of like coming naturally, but I found myself having to put a little bit more work into it, which is to be expected. I think right. when you read any classic, you have to do that. So I don't think I ever really got to the point where I was like, this was a delight to read, mm-hmm. but I was very intrigued with the sort of soap opera of it all like and i mean that as a positive way as somebody (laughs) who's watched all 10 seasons of beverly hills 90210 i love me some good like intrigue and romance and who's going to end up together and all of the varying complexities from like having to deal with you know societal expectations and and what it means the different like levels of people's social and, and sort of political standings are all of that stuff I found really fascinating. And some of the twists that get thrown in there that I didn't see coming, like she'll get a letter and I'll be like, what? Why would you do that? You know, I was really into. So I think like overall, uh, my experience was a positive one and I'm glad to have read it and I'm glad to get all the Pride and Prejudice memes now that I see. There are so many. Uh, so I, I do think it was a positive. Has it turned me into someone who's like, well, I have to read Sense and Sensibility now? No, it didn't. It didn't do that. Uh, how do you feel about that? Is that an acceptable? I think that's acceptable. Okay. I mean, obviously uh, the ideal is for you to be like five more novels. Let's go. Let's do it. Like, you know, reasonable expectations. Okay. I don't know. When you said, when you said Jane Austen, I was kind of like, I'm not going to like this. And so I do think I came out much more positive than I was expecting to. So there you go. I subverted my own expectations. (laughs) So that, that speaks to her, to her work here. But tell me a little bit about, I know you've covered it a little bit, but like, Pride and Prejudice, like what What about the story like really pops to you? I feel like there's a few things. One is that just like the beats of the story, I feel like are really well designed from a plot point. Yes. Uh, yeah, I agree um, with that. And so like the moments where like different things happen and your expectations yeah. change, her expectations change, I feel like are really unexpected. And even when you, I already, of course, know everything yeah. that's going to happen. I still find kind of the like turns that it takes to be interesting. I also feel like there's just something really timeless and fantastic about Elizabeth yeah. Bennet that just like yeah has so much appeal. Her like mm-hmm. her sassiness, mm-hmm. her sense of decorum, but also like she's gonna like, you know, basically make fun of Darcy to his face yeah. and that kind of thing. I think those are some of the main qualities that make it yeah really spark yeah no i i think that's true i think that's something that i i did appreciate about it was that like i think one of the things that makes it timeless is is the characters and i think you're right lizzie in particular has a feel that like it it could be something that was written today i mean Mm -hmm. that's something that i always appreciate about dickens like some of the some of the wit and uh, you know just just the turns of phrase in the in the journeys that the characters go on are stuff that still would sell today, right. you know, and right. I think that's definitely true here. And I just like the, um, 
you know, her her and Darcy, like, obviously it is a romance, but it doesn't take on all the connotations that I think, you know, whether fair or unfair, when you say a romance novel, people have certain mm-hmm. expectations of that. And I don't think that this really, like, does that at all. But I think their relationship is kind of fun. I mean, I like that he's just sort of like, I mean, she's, she's fine, but she's nothing <laughs> special. You know, he's just yep. so, like, blunt about that. He's sort of like, I mean, I've seen worse. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and then when, when we have, I mean, I guess spoiler alert for a book that's 210 years old this year. <laughs> um, but when we get a proposal and he's, he's just kind of like, look, you're the worst. I, I don't really care for you. I, I, don't, I don't know what about the whole mess that's you appeals to me, but it does. So let's get married. And she's kind of like, shut up and go away. Like, why would you ever think that would work? Like, you're dumb. That I really liked. Yep. I really appreciated that. As it sort of comes back around and he, he, you know, writes himself and he does this great thing for Lydia and her family. Like, I like that. Like, mm-hmm. he stumbles and it's such a stupid thing to do. And I like that she just calls him on that, you know? Yep. I really liked the scene with her and it's his aunt, right? Sort of. Yes. Uh, where where the aunt is kind of like, promise me you'll never marry him. And she's like, you need to go away from me. I, I don't want to be talking to you anymore. I don't know why she's we're having so this conversation. She's so done with that conversation. She is. She's just like, I, I don't like you, so get out of my face. And I was sort of surprised by that. Like mm-hmm. by some of the things like that that happened. I, I was like, well, I didn't see that coming. So... <laughs> So I did like that. And I feel like it's a pretty tidy ending as far mm-hmm. as, you know, stories go. Because there's so many moving pieces and there's so right. many. There's a lot going on. Things can go sideways in like a million different ways. And by the end, it feels tidy, but not in a way that's like cloying. You know what I mean? You don't feel like, oh, of course, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever. It seems like, yeah, you know, we've all been through some stuff and here we are at the end. So I felt pretty satisfying with the ending as it was. So yeah, I mean, all these are positives, right? Right. Yeah, so exactly. I get, I should get points for that. <laughs> Here's where and you can decide uh, if I've broken the rules or not, because I did make a little bit of a pivot. I did make uh, an executive uh, <laughs> decision <laughs> because I put Emma on hold, right? Okay. And it came in and it was the wrong version. It was the Annie Taylor Joy one from okay, 2020. Okay. And so I was like, no, that's wrong. And so I put hold on the right one, the Gwyneth Paltrow one, mm-hmm. and I put it in. And I was watching it with my wife. We started watching it. And I was probably like 20 minutes into it. And I was just like, this isn't going to work for me. I'm just not going to like this. Like, I don't I don't see like a getting over this hump. And so I was like, maybe we'll try the more recent one and uh-huh. see if that like clicks for me a little bit more. And so I did. I stopped it at that point And I switched to the newer movie and watched that one in its entirety and really liked it. Okay. Like, I liked it quite a bit. So I know you said the... The Gwyneth Pelter one, but I thought maybe you would understand. No, I yeah, I understand. Okay, all right. I, I like I'd rather that than you just be like, "This is horrible." That's yeah, it. I just I could feel it. I was like, I just th- something about like the made-for-TV like aesthetic of it. I just wasn't getting the charm. It was just like not clicking for me. Have you seen this? Have you seen the Anna Taylor Joy yes. one? Okay, how do you feel about it? I like it. It's there's a number of things about it that I think are kind of weird. Yeah. But like, I enjoyed watching the movie a lot. There's elements that I was like, yeah, this is really great. Yeah. Well, I was watching this with my wife who also loves the, uh, mm-hmm. the Gwyneth Paltrow version. And, and her takeaway was like, this one worked. Like it was mm-hmm. it was good and it was enjoyable. But the other one is a better representation of the story and the characters. Do you... I think that's probably true. Okay. Some of it is a matter of interpretation. Like okay. Emma is a book where the main character is 
I'd say more significantly flawed than a lot of main characters in books tend to be. Like a little like vapid in places. Yeah. And and just like she meddles, you know, like she likes to be in control. She has ideas for how things should go, but they're not necessarily the right ideas for how things should go. Yeah. And so like there's a quote when Jane Austen was writing this book where she was like, I'm going to write a heroine that no one will like but me Mm. basically, which... I guess didn't turn out to be true because yeah. plenty of people like Emma. They do, yeah. But when you read the book, you can tell that she's trying her best and does genuinely care about people. Uh-huh. And there's all these little moments where she'll do something that's genuinely very kind, kind of with, without, you know, like without any of the like meddling and, you know, all that stuff that she does. And so I guess there's different interpretations when you read the book on how good of a person and good of a character mm. she is. Okay, okay. And so I think if you have a more positive interpretation of her, that makes sense with the Gwyneth Paltrow movie. Mm-hmm. But if you're more like, yeah, she's, you know, she's the main character, but boy, I think that makes more sense with the Anya Taylor-Joy movie. Uh, okay, okay. And that's and that's my take. Sort of, but you, your take on the character is a little bit more Gwyneth Paltrow-y. I would say is so. That what she's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought the um, the flaws of Emma certainly comes through in, in the newer movie. And I think it played out to me a little bit more as like immaturity. Like uh-huh. I felt like her intentions were still good, but she wasn't thinking things through all the way. Which makes you know. sense because she's like... I think like 21 or yeah, something to be like and really she doesn't have a mom and she's just kind of like yeah, basically kinda, the head of the right, household. She's sort of thrust into that role right. early. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this film came out in 2020. Great year. Right. Great year. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a good year. Wonderful. Uh, uh, directed by Autumn DeWilde, adapted by Eleanor Cotton and a Taylor Joy, of course, as, uh, as Emma. Bill Nighy as her dad just cracked me up. Like everything he did in that movie was just so funny to me. Like he's just such an odd. <laughs> I mean, that actor is always like delightful in everything that he's in, but I felt like it really worked there. Their relationship, I felt like worked really well. This movie was almost like, what if Wes Anderson directed an Emma movie? It you know, very like it much just has sort that of, feeling. Yeah, yeah like, like the colors, exactly. the costuming, yes. everything. Mrs. Elton's hair and like her hats. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It just like some of the, some of the pausing and some of the like still shots and everything just were giving me a lot of vibes of, yeah. of a Wes Anderson movie, um, which I thought suited it, you mm-hmm. know, and I thought like visually it is a very impressive movie all around. And I mean, I didn't have any trouble following the beats of the story. There was a couple times where, you know, because my wife like knows all about it. I had to sort of be like, wait, now which one is that? Uh-huh. And, you know, she'd sort of clarify. So that was helpful to have like a little pop-up trivia sitting next to me uh, while watching the movie. But I had a really positive takeaway from that. I liked it quite a bit. Nice. So I'm sorry that I pivoted, but that's I feel okay, like it was okay. for the greater good. I have uh, to ask, though, tried. Yes, okay. what did you think of the nosebleed? This is like one of the oh. one of the biggest topics yes. among Jane Austen fans. Where does that fall? Movie. Right when he proposes, she gets this nosebleed. Oh. Which is like a like like an anime joke stereotype okay. kind of a thing. Okay. And so I was kinda like, What is what's happening? I guess I, I I mean, it works for me. I felt like it sort of subverted the like a moment that should have been like serious or whatever and like for that to come. Not that it was funny, but it kinda like I think the film did so much to make everything seem like beautiful and like really visually appealing so Mm -hmm. to have her have a nosebleed in that moment was surprising to me i didn't mind it do you you're not a fan i mean i have mixed feelings like i think it it's very interesting in terms of subverting like the expectations but like on a number of levels i'm kind of like what okay i don't know 
But also some of that is like having read the book and watched other adaptations and okay. then being like, wait, wait, so, what are okay. you doing So no here? nosebleed in other versions. This was a... This is unique. unique this. <laughs> the okay. nosebleed is unique. And so are people not liking it overall, would you there's, say? There's mixed feelings. There's I don't strong... Know. Okay. All right. It's All a right. big debate. Yeah, I get that. But no, overall, I had a, I had a good time. And, and like I said, like sort of doing them concurrently, I did have to kind of separate in my mind because there are... Not that the plots are necessarily similar, but, you know, because they're both sort of dealing with some matchmaking elements right. and like family and class and everything. So I did have to untangle this occasionally in my mind, but I thought it was good overall. And then I followed it up with a clueless chaser, which I have never seen think? before, which is crazy. Because, I know. That like, does surprise this me, came honestly. came out in 95. Like it came out in my heyday. So I don't know why I didn't watch this, but I really liked Clueless. I thought, okay. it, was, I thought it was really good. And I am glad to have watched Emma first because... You know, well, not everything has a direct correlation. Obviously, the, the the beats are there. Some really obvious scenes that felt almost like only right. slight changes. Right. And of course, Elton's name is Elton in both, which was right, kind of yes. fun. Like that was a nice little uh, Easter egg there. But no, I thought it was great. Uh, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing. But I did have a poster of Alicia Silverstone from this movie on my wall as a teenager. That's really funny. And it was because I had a crush on her from Batman and Robin where she played Batgirl. That's really But there wasn't funny. like a Batgirl poster. So, yeah. So there's one. She puts on an outfit at one point And I was like, I had that poster. So there's That's hilarious. there's my 90s collection to uh, Clueless. Um, but no, I, I really like the movie. This is one of my wife's favorites. So like. You know, she was like, finally, we're watching Clueless. <laughs> uh, but I loved it. It's kind of an all-star cast, too. Like, people kept popping up. And I was like, oh, it's that person. Oh, it's her, you know. Yeah. So I just thought it was hilarious. Really well it, done. Like, yeah, I get really why it movie. stands up as well as it does. Why it's still kind of a, an iconic thing. When did you watch Clueless? I didn't watch it until I was in high school. Okay. And I knew that it existed and was like an Emma kind of yeah. okay. thing. And I think I watched it with some friends. And I was like... At first, I was very uncertain about it. I was like, huh. Yeah. And I think I was expecting a little too much Emma-ness from yeah. it. But I watched it again sometime after. And I was like, okay. This, yeah. This is, okay. This is so fun. So you came around. You yeah. came around. You know what I love? That, I mean, this is only like vaguely related. But uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. I also love that. Okay. What a which great was, one. Yeah, it really was. Which was kind of similar uh, in that it was, you know, this 90s thing based on classic. Which it's it tam- has taming very of the true, similar obviously. vibes somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It did. It made me think of that. Both of them had TV shows. And I did watch the clueless tv show oh that was on oh uh so i did see like some of it so i was as i was watching it i was like oh right i did watch this <laughs> just funny. not the movie only the tv show i don't know That's weird funny. thing but yeah i think uh i think pretty successful overall nice you've uh, you've broadened my horizons i'll take which the was win. the goal right that's true so now you can sing jailhouse rock and i can quote pride and prejudice i mean maybe not quote but i can get references you can get the first line and that's that's true that's all most people can yeah. quote anyway uh, so yeah perfect all right well listen uh, jane austen uh, has been great but have you tried indiana jones you know i have not this blows my mind that you've had no interaction with Indiana <laughs> I've, Jones. I've gone through 23 years and, and you haven't never nothing. a single Indiana Jones. Okay. Now I know that I just made you watch an 80s Spielbergy kind of movie in the Goonies, but Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is coming out right now, mm. like during our time of recording. So I knew Indiana Jones was going to be on the list and I feel like now's the time. It makes sense. So, it really does. Can you commit to watching all of the Indiana Jones movies? How Even, many are there? <laughs> well, there's the classic trilogy, and then there's Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which came out like in 2008. Okay, so four Indiana Jones. Yeah, movies. and then okay. maybe see Dial of Destiny 
Okay, I think ramp we can, up we can to probably seeing make Dial that of happen. Destiny. Okay, you can I just you can made happen. you read a whole Jane Austen novel, That's so true. I feel like That's true. I honestly I haven't I don't remember the last time I watched an Indiana Jones movie, but it's easily been ten years since I've okay. seen any of them. So like I'm planning to go back and watch them. And I'm excited about Dial of Destiny. Like I I'm definitely in the camp of like this is a bad idea, don't do it. But like now that it's happening, I gotta watch it. That makes sense. And I'm a little more optimistic because um, Spielberg's not directing it. He directed all the others. Okay. Uh, but it's being directed by James Mangold, who directed uh, the X-Men movie Logan. I don't know if you've okay. s- seen that. But I haven't. You know, but I, I know what it is. That's uh, it's a little more violent than my typical taste, but it's sort of a uh, proven track record that he can take a character and tell a story about this character in their <laughs> sunset years. Uh, not that Hugh Jackman is anywhere near as old as uh, Harrison Ford, who's well in his 80s. But um, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think now is the time for Indiana Jones. All right. I've read the comics. I've read the novels. But you only have to watch the movies. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. The extent of my experience with Indiana Jones okay. is watching uh, Minnesota Cucumber from VeggieTales. <laughs> I've never seen that. So I'll, I'll watch Minnesota it's Cucumber. It's pretty fun. All I'm right, not going to lie. It. In a very VeggieTales okay. way. All right. I think you'll enjoy that. It's a good time to be an Indiana Jones fan because the, the movie, like I said, the new movie's coming out and also Disney Plus is putting uh, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which was a series. Oh, okay. Which has been kind of like, you just can't watch it. It's impossible to find unless you have like old DVDs. Mm. So that's going to be on Disney Plus as well. So you don't have to check out that, but I might dip okay, into okay, that okay. a little bit and watch. Amazing to me that there's never been an Indiana Jones cartoon. Doesn't that just hmm. seem like... I do feel like that would make sense. Like the time when it came out, it seemed like everything got a cartoon, you know, hmm. but no, nothing. Anyway. All right. Well, folks, in two weeks, we'll be back just talking about uh, what, what we're reading and watching uh, during this um, quiet time before we get back to the Indiana Jones yes. spotlight where Allie will never again be able to say that she's never seen... That's true. This is the turning point in of my Indiana life. Jones. A big moment for you. A big moment for you. All right, gang. Uh, don't forget to uh, rate and subscribe, as people say. Uh, <laughs> you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook at David A. Howe Public Library, on Twitter at D.A. Howe Library. What's the Tumblr, Allie? It's But Have You Tried. But Have You Tried. Right there. Thanks again to Corey Loon for our awesome theme songs. Yes. Every time I hear Every them, time. I'm like a bop into them. It's such a bop. Yep. So I love it. All right. See you next time, everybody. Bye.